2: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Managing Editor Derek Ciapolo with Norm Hightower and Patrick Starr from State of the Texans, gentlemen. How are you today?
1: Probably uh, y'all. Are, you guys are probably doing better than uh, than I am covering that. So um, trying to find any happy medium with what was just seen on the field. You know, kudos to the Rams, and uh, it's clear why they are the team they are, uh, even after getting off to a slow start. They were able to jump start, and I think there was one key play in there that I'll that I'll tell you about, which kind of uh, opens the minds, at least to what at least Texans defensively are trying to do, but it's something that the Rams clearly pulled from last week when they watched Colts' film, and, and, I, and I'll tell you about it.
3: Yeah, yeah, really, I mean, understandably the score is not something you wanted to see, but uh, you really have nothing to feel bad about. the The Texans are obviously – you know, banged up and, and missing some key players, but even so, defensively, uh, minus a, a few little holes that they have, they're going to be uh, forced to reckon with here for for the next few years, I'm sure.
1: Well, I think the the big thing of anything it's kind of um, it's kind of what you realize uh, that sometimes coaches bring the best out in players, and players bring the best out in everyone else, and uh, you guys probably attest to it a bit with with golf and. How he's been able to make everyone better, and everybody looks so tuned in to what he's doing, and everybody elevates their play. And that's exactly what uh, happened with Deshaun Watson and, and over the past two weeks. That's something that, you know, covering the team and even fans watching the Texans have grown accustomed to DeAndre Hopkins locked in, Will Fuller becoming a big play threat, uh, just the team itself just being so uh, locked into what's going on. It, it wasn't ultimately transitioning to win, so I think that kind of. Uh, shouldn't be taken out of context too much. But it's clear the Texans are sleepwalking. Uh, Tom Savage is what he is, and and this is a totally different team that showed up uh, to to CenturyLink Field to play the Seahawks uh, two weeks ago where they took them to the wire. But this is nowhere near that same team.
2: Really quick here, let's go ahead and go through the numbers and and, uh, just see what we're talking about stats-wise. First down game, the Texans get 16, the Rams get 19. Third down efficiency, Texans go 4 for 12, Rams go 6 for 16. Total yards, 443 for the Rams today, 283 for the Texans. Yards per play, average game per play, Texans 4.4, the Rams 6.7. Net yards rushing, 89 for the Texans, 104 for the Rams, 4.2 yards per carry for the Rams, 3.6 for the Texans Net yards passing, 194 for the Texans on 18-37 passing, uh, sacked three times. The Rams, 339 yards passing, 20:38. 38 They were also sacked three times. Only difference, biggest difference of all besides the numbers in terms of uh, yardage is, well, two interceptions from Tom Savage. Six punts for 47 yards for, for the Texans, four punts, half yards average for uh, the Rams, two fumbles lost, time of possession, uh, sorry, two fumbles lost for the Texans, time of possession, 29 minutes, 53 seconds for the Texans, and 31 minutes, 45 seconds for the Rams. Those are your team staff, gentlemen. Early in this game, it was a different story. The Texans really kind of dominated the numbers in the first quarter, especially. You mentioned a certain play, Patrick. What happened?
1: I think it was the Robert Woods 94-yard touchdown pass um, that – Pretty much blew the game completely open uh, for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Joseph, probably the Texans' best cornerback when it comes to coverage. Yes, he's long in the tooth. Uh, but last week the Colts ran a similar concept where the outside receiver, in this case is Robert Woods, last week it was T.Y. Hilton. Well, they almost run that skinny post, uh, not necessarily a real post, but that skinny post to get vertical. That number two wide receiver runs an out. Last week it was a tight end. Uh, this week, I don't know if it was Cooper Cup. Uh, who ran the out pattern, but the Texans love running quarters coverage, and it kind of puts a bind on that safety. This time it was Kareem Jackson, and it was the same exact play. Last week it was a touchdown, 54 yards, if I'm correct. This week, 94. Same concept. Credit the Rams for knowing uh, how to get that same look, but out of a different formation, uh, different personnel, to get uh, the the, the Texans right where they want it. The Texans have struggled with that coverage. It's a quarters coverage. Uh, where they kind of go four across in the back. Uh, Like I said, they've struggled with that, and that pass itself blew the game open and and pretty much broke the back of the Texans. Uh, But, you know, uh, you can't have turnovers like Tom Savage had uh, in the red zone. Uh, They had the Rams on the ropes, in, in my opinion, in the first half. I don't know how you guys felt, but then everything just fell apart in the second half and went the Rams' way. And that's what good teams do. They know how to bury teams that aren't as good as them, I think the Rams are a much better team than the Texans right now. Uh, so credit where credit is due. Uh, the Rams did their homework and, and and found out how to put a big play on the Texans to pretty much end their day.
3: Well, no one expected the, the Rams to lose this game. I mean, everybody we've talked to, including some of the people from, like, Texas Wire and a few other places, uh, expected to have a loss in this game. So – credit the, the Texans for coming out in the first half and and really taking it to us defensively. They they shut our offense down, which we still ended up getting our numbers in the end, but they, they did a great job shutting down our run, shutting down the passing game, putting pressure on Goff, making us look like the Rams we used to be uh, in the first half. I know Derek got a lot of angry texts from me during the game. And then uh, <laughs> oh, as the game progressed that changed and and this is the reason I think the Rams are a contender this year because even though they were struggling and having a hard time they they managed to figure it out and and come back and get
1: the win one thing that I noticed about golf is that uh, when the Texans made his feet happy he really struggled with accuracy and everything else but once he started getting those three-step five-step drops going and started hitting those quick hitters to to woods and cup on the outside uh, things started kind of opening up for them and you know, it's that it's that tough thing. They they kind of had golf on the run a little bit. Jadavian Clowney, I thought, who continues to be the Texans' best defensive player out of all of it. It is what it is. Uh, the better team won today, and you know, it's a surprise the Texans were even in the game. And uh, Savage threw that terrible uh, interception, pretty much threw it like in a quadruple coverage uh, deep in the red zone, which pretty much ended the Texans uh, Texans' day, uh, at least from an offensive standpoint. They had their chances. They had their chances to at least get the Rams at least in chase mode a little bit. But I don't know if you guys can agree with it. I mean, there's an opportunities for the Texans all in the first half uh, to make plays. They, they missed that field goal, Fairbairn did. The Texans didn't have enough people on the field, had to call a timeout. So they pretty much iced their own kicker before that. And I think that's the markings of a bad team. And, and it's the reality of life without Deshaun Watson on how much he made everyone else better. And the entire team is kind of nosedived after that, that abrupt ending to his season during practice.
2: I have to give the Texans some credit. The, the way they came out, they were stopping everything the Rams threw at them. Uh, my question for you is what did, what did they see with the Rams offense to be able to shut them down the way they did for at least the first half? Because every, every move outside, every move inside, every time the, the pocket kind of seemed like it was settled, here you go again, Clowney's in there, breaking through. What do the Texans see to cause the Rams those problems?
1: If anything, the Texans finally decided to play discipline, crush the edges, make sure that they hold the edges. That's something they struggled uh, with moving forward, or, or the past games, that they just struggled with the edge play. And I thought they played way more discipline than they have in the past. Um, they're, they, they they have had to switch up a few things because like you said, uh, they've lost JJ Watt for the season. Whitney Marshall so is two of their top three pass rushers. So they've had to be creative and find other ways to rush the passer. I'll have to watch the film exactly on what they did, but you're right. It's clear that they had the Rams searching for answers on at least in the first half what to do. And, but I, I think ultimately it came down to just making golf uncomfortable in the first half. He just wasn't comfortable moving his feet and doing different things and, that's the one thing I noticed about golf is that his accuracy was absolutely terrible when he had to, to move his feet. But once that pass rush started slowing down and they started getting into a rhythm, it was all over because he started getting his feet uh, set. I think he hit Gurley for a a, a big uh, screen pass down the way, and he also hit Watkins in the middle of the field. And like I said, he blew the doors open with a big throw to Robert Woods. We ended up having a huge day. I think it just all came to golf just finally settling down and, and trusting that it was going to be there for him, and like I said, credit golf for, for putting together a solid second half.
3: I think a lot of it in the beginning had to do with the Rams making some bad scheme calls against the defense, because there were a couple of plays where they expected uh, Tyler Higby to block Jadavian Clowney, and also they had another player too where they had Cooper Cup blocking Jadavian Clowney, and I, and I don't think. That's been an issue for him in the past with some of the pass rushers they're used to dealing with, but you can't you can't block him with those kind of guys. and ex- You can't block him with those guys and expect him not to get in the backfield. It's just because he's such an elite pass rusher, and I think that was part of the difference in the second half is they made those adjustments and went away from those schemes to where they had to either double-team him or block him with a tackle to at least slow him down. And so I think they cost themselves a lot of that in the beginning of the game but credit where credit's due your defense is stout I mean obviously you have some holes in your secondary and some issues there but your linebacking core and your defensive line even without J.J. Watt is still pretty stout
1: yeah I mean they're, they're relatively young I, I didn't notice it until the other day the Texans actually have the second youngest team in the NFL and they play like it <laughs> unfortunately I mean they've, they've been uh, searching for answers trying to find ways to get done but this is just one of those games that you chalk up. I mean, they lost this game clearly because of Tom Savage's inability to, to throw passes, to complete passes, to at least look comfortable. I mean, there were times where you know, he was getting sacked by himself, a three-step drop that didn't look like a three-step drop. And it's hard for an offensive line routes to develop, things like that. But this game completely on Tom Savage. You know, they had, had the right idea early, and then all of a sudden they fell apart. And when they got behind, the Texans game is not to, to throw the football around the yard with Savage. So, like I said, it's just one of those – those terrible you know like how in games maybe you guys have felt it last year not necessarily this year where the game plan is where it is and you know if they get behind you're in trouble because you can't play like that i mean that's ultimately how the texans are now you know they they can't get behind they can't have mistakes interceptions in the red zone missed field goals and like i said good teams capitalize and, and that's exactly what the rams did
2: now, when we had Jeff Risden from Texas Wire on earlier this week, he mentioned the fact that he believed that Tom Savage could be an NFL starter one day. His main problem is that he's streaky. In the second quarter, we saw a bit of that with their, their touchdown drive, the 26-yard pass to Bruce Ellington. The Rams could not stop Savage on that drive. So the rest of the game, though, nothing magical. Can Tom Savage grow the rest of the year and become that starter for you guys at least until Watson gets back, or are the Texans really going to have to look for a better backup for next year?
1: I think that Tom Savage, we kind of know what he is. I I know Jeff, and he's good at what he does, and and you know totally respect his opinion. But I'm watching a guy I've covered in person since he got here as a rookie from Pittsburgh, just hadn't gotten better. He's regressed very badly since last year when he came off the bench for Brock Osweiler against the Cincinnati Bengals. for or I'm sorry, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, actually started that next game against Cincinnati. And it's like his internal clock has continued to get slow. Well, sure, he had one drive, one and a half drives, where he looks like the guy. But it's clear, when things go bad, it goes bad in a hurry. Uh, that late sack where he fumbled deep in the territory, I think it was his fourth turnover of the game. I mean, those are those are easy reads. He has to see that blitzer, either with, with pass protection shifting in his way, or ultimately... You know, getting rid of the ball to the hot route now in a hurry, and that's been his biggest problem. He just can't get rid of the ball, and uh, you saw it today. I mean, I mean, you guys are going to go back and look at this film and watch it and say, like, man, that was a gift interception. And look, he only had two interceptions, but he should have at least had four. I mean, there were some dropped ones early. I think there was one past to Steven Anderson you know, that one of the linebackers got his hand on and tipped it to him and it ended up being like a 13, 14 yard game. But I mean, Tom Savage lived on the edge the entire game, and uh, he's lucky that it wasn't uglier than what it was. Four turnovers, like I said, uh, 33 points for the Rams. He's lucky that this wasn't a 50 spot put on him.
3: When uh, he threw the interception in the red zone, where you guys could have at least came away with a field goal in that case, I think that had a lot to do with the momentum and his confidence as well. And, and you're right, there are a couple of plays. Uh, example would be the Ogletree interception that was called back which was kind of a ticky-tack call. I, I don't know that that always gets called in the league, but if that hadn't have gotten called, it could have been a lot worse. And and I did see some of what you're saying about, about him not reading some things right, not seeing some things right, and uh, making some really poor decisions. And honestly, that's what we're used to our quarterbacks doing. So we've seen that for a while in our offense, and it's pretty easy to spot when it happens. But credit where credit's due, though, you guys, with all the injuries you've had, I could really see you guys being a better team next year, especially if, you know, when you get Deshaun Watson back and hopefully J.J. Watt's healthy and and you get, I forget the middle linebacker's name, but when you get him back as well, you guys are going to be really tough.
1: I think that's kind of the concern is that Deshaun Watson did so much to keep this team in the games. And defensively, like I said, they're so young that they they just make some poor mistakes. Uh, They're a little bit old at the cornerback position. And you continue to add injuries here and there. I mean, there's only so much you can do in the NFL, like when injuries strike. Luckily for you guys, knock on wood, that it doesn't happen to you. Uh, you know, it's easy to survive uh, when, when when you're just – I mean, Seth Payne, who's, who worked for Sports 10-6 Radio, played for the Jags, played for the Texans, he always says that, uh, you know, injuries itself are worth one to two, two wins a season, and I think that's kind of where the Texans are at now. Uh, they lost Jadavian Clowney and Whitney, Whitney Merciless in the first series against Kansas City uh, on a Sunday night football game within a matter of, like, six plays of each other, and that took the wind out of the sails. And how they lost Watson, when you have a player as dynamic as him, and, you know, I compare him to guys like Goff and Wentz, and, I mean, this is the next crop of, of what everyone else chases, right? I mean, this is what everyone's been chasing for so long. You know, maybe a Phillip Rivers that can grow with your franchise for 12, 13, 14 years, and Eli Manning to win you something. You know, these guys that you know that if you buy this jersey, <laughs> you don't ever have to get rid of it because he's going to he's gonna make you proud and he's going to make you want to follow that team or cover it. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing is that, uh, like I said, I hope it never happens to golf. But this team is built around Jared Goff and, and the ability he's able to put on the field. I mean, you can see it. When he started hitting passes – the Rams started rolling on both sides of the football, and even on special teams. I mean, it helps that you guys have the best kicker in the NFL. But my point is, is that when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, that's very comparable. What he means to his team, like a Golf or a Wentz, you know, even a Brady, when they mean that much to your team, it's hard to recover from it. Even the the Green Bay Packers are going through it right now with the loss of Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's kind of what you're getting. You're seeing a team that that really has no identity with with Deshaun Watson out.
2: Now, really quick here, we know your time is precious. We want to get you going. Um, one really big question for you is: is why did the Texans go away from the running game early in the game? Lamar Miller is just running right through the Rams defense, and then they kind of just backed away. He finishes only with only 11 carries the entire game. Uh, Foreman gets seven. Alfred Blue with four. It wasn't this game wasn't out of reach until midway through the third quarter. Why get away from the running game?
1: That's a good question. I mean, like you said, Lamar Miller, I think he started off the game or first or second run 18 yards and then uh, got him into a good position late in, uh, late in the first half of like a 21-yard run where he actually hurtled someone. I think that's just what the Texans want to do. I mean, they want to continue to run the football, uh, but they want to build their pass game off that too. And I think they should have kept running the football. And, uh, you know, they had the gas on the pedal. And sometimes as a, as a football team, you've got to continue to impose your will. I think you guys could probably agree. Uh, The Texans' offensive line was pushing the Rams around early in the run game, and if there's any way to control any game, it's the run game. And like I said, I I totally agree with you guys. That's something that you need to continue to do, continue to push push the pile and make things happen. And Lamar Miller was getting into that second level without being even touched before uh, secondary guys trying to come up and get him. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that will probably be asked. He won't say much about it. Bill O'Brien won't, but it is what it is. Hats off to the winners. I mean, they, you guys, uh, you guys are definitely trending in a different direction than what's happening in Houston. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting thing going on right now.
2: Well, really quick before we let you go here, who who is your star of the game and who is your go to the game? Who's the person you think, oh my gosh, uh, get out of here? Who's your go to the game and your star of the game?
1: Uh Jadavion Clowney. He continues to be their top player. I think when he had a sack, I think he had three tackles for loss. I mean, he was a clear game changer in the first half. And, and like uh, Norm said, in the sense of it might have been just the fundamental flaw where they're thinking they can use Higby, Cup, and uh, whoever else their tight end is uh, to block Clowney one-on-one. And they might have, you know, changed that a little bit in the second half. But clearly Clowney can, remains the, the game changer. And, and the guy that you got to look at, it's been the guy the past two games that have really – sunk the Texans is Tom Savage. I mean, you cannot turn the ball, the ball over in the red zone the way he did with those uh, two costly interceptions, and then you add in the two fumbles. Uh, you you have to protect the football as a quarterback. Even if you're sacked, you can't give up the football like that. Uh, but easily, those are my two, uh, with being Clowney and, and Tom Savage being the opposite ends of, of what's going on.
2: All right, Patrick, one thank you for joining the show. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you?
1: Sure, I mean, if you want to come, uh, all, all you Rams fans, if y'all want to come over and uh, uh, check out Texan stuff, you can go to saythetexas.com. dot com. You can follow me at Pat D Stat uh, with all that other stuff. I'm sorry about the Astros beating the Los Angeles Dodgers in the in the playoffs, but you know how that goes. If well, there's any Los Angeles uh, fans out there,
3: well, we kind of got some payback today, but yeah, it was kind of kind of kind of tough to watch. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. At least at least uh, you know, you get some revenge, but there's a lot of people over here that uh ultimately sit there and say, "Hey, at least the Astros beat the Dodgers." So I guess that's something to go for. But obviously you want your team to win and my Twitter timeline and everything else is going to be in shambles moving forward, but I mean, that's the reality of the NFL. Injuries totally deplete teams. It's unfortunate what's going on in Houston, but then you look at a team that that's been looking to get that traction and and find something positive like the Rams and they have it and, and, and they're building on it. They've got a great young coach in, in, in in McVay and, and ex Texans coordinator, Wade Phillips, who's probably uh, helping that entire thing out, but it's good to see other teams finally breaking out of the mold and pushing this, just getting a different team into it again. I, I think that's the key thing. And, uh, hopefully it continues for uh, the Rams, and like I said, they're a lot of fun to watch, especially in the second half. Look, I know the Texans got rolled, and i got to deal with all that crap from all the all the fans and, and, and listeners and all that, but y- you got to recognize good football when you see it and, and when teams take advantage, and that's what the Rams did in the second half.
3: It's been a pleasure having you on board with us, and, and uh, we look forward to seeing the Texans as they get healthier because we know they're going to be a good team. In the future, you guys get a couple of tackles uh, on the offensive line to, to shore that up, and I think you guys going to be real tough to beat for the next couple of years. So, thanks for joining us, and it was a pleasure meeting you.
2: All
1: right, guys, y'all have a great one.
2: Okay, it's Patrick Starr from State of the Texans. You also have a morning show out there. Sorry, a radio show out there in uh, the area. So, check them out. Norm, let's break th- let's break this thing down here. What did you see today? How did the Rams change gear?
3: Well, I think they made some changes in the second half uh, that they needed to make. It was obvious in the first half that they were, which I mentioned earlier, they were making some mistakes in their normal offensive scheme, which the Rams, they have a lot of different schemes. Sean Sean McVay is extremely creative, but you can't run some of those extremely creative plays against a guy like Jadavion Clowney. Uh, I watched Tyler Higbee get toasted by Clowney and even Rob Havenstein got toasted by Clowney and so until they made the adjustment to where they could control him and slow down the pass rush to give Goff a little bit more time they were hurting but once they made those adjustments in the second half and started to build the momentum uh, that's definitely where you saw the difference
2: well I was surprised to see some of the the decisions that McVeigh made in terms of the scheme. It, it seems to me just a little bit of common sense. You're not going to put a wide receiver up against Clowney. You're not going to put a young tight end like Higby up against Clowney. I didn't really understand why he would do that. But I also think, man, he's a 31-year-old head coach. He tries things. And sometimes it's not going to work. And sometimes it's not going to go the way we want it to go. I do think that he adjusted well going into the second half. He took some shots. He found some weaknesses in the the secondary that he was able to exploit. And by the way, Clowney became a non-factor for the most part after that, you know, about, about midway through the second quarter, he kind of disappeared.
3: Yeah. I think that's when he made the adjustments to where he needed to do something differently. And yeah. then, and there were some, I mean, he tried to still do some of those, you know, razzle dazzle plays with Tavon Austin. And obviously Houston has way too much side sideline to sideline speed on defense to get away with some of that stuff. And the reason that, that long pass to Robert Woods made a difference is because they hadn't really exposed the Texans to any of the deep balls in the first half. A lot of it was because Goff was running for his life, but they needed to get one of those plays to happen before they had to start respecting it. And when they weren't respecting it, they were able to really put pressure on, on LA. But once, once that deep pass was, was connected, then at that point, The Texans had to make adjustments, and that's where things kind of slowed down. They didn't get to blitz quite as much. You know, we changed our scheme on the offense. You can't chip block. You just can't chip block an athlete like Jadavian Clowney, who's as fast and as athletic as he is. So I think once McVay figured that out and kind of changed it up a little bit, you really started to see a difference. You know, Robert Woods had a heck of a ball game today. We don't generally see – Too many Rams receivers getting over 100 yards. Usually it's 50, 60, 70 yards for four or five guys. And today, obviously, Robert Woods with eight catches and 171 yards and two touchdowns, obviously with the 94-yarder. That's one heck of a game. And then on top of that, we got to see some Sammy Watkins. Even though it was only a couple of plays, the two plays that we did see were really excellent plays. So I can start seeing him coming into the mix a little bit more, too. The Rams made me proud. I was, as you know, because I was texting you some really unkind things, uh, the Rams looked like the old Rams in the first quarter and halfway through the second quarter. But they did what they had to do, and it showed that they are a team that's maturing because they did make the necessary changes and came out and ultimately dominated the game in the second half.
2: Well, let's talk about those things, but before we do, Really quick, let's go ahead and you know give a shout-out to our sponsors over at the Golden Ram Barbershop. That's run by Sal Martinez. You can reach them at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Give them a call for an appointment at 714-894-7267. Most days are open 8 to 6, your exceptions. Saturday 7 to 4. Sunday, hey, they're watching Rams football. They're closed, okay? So, again, give them a call, 714 714- 894 7267 at Sal Martinez at Golden Ram Barbershop. They've been open since the day the Rams left. They kept the light on for Rams football. You can go in there and see everything they have to offer. Haircuts, but, you know, memorabilia, helmets, jerseys, you name it, they got it. One more time, 714-894-7267. Ah, and if you want to sponsor us, Email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We'll be glad to do some business with you. All right, Norm, really quick here. Talk. Let's talk about this. Because in the past, when the Rams faced adversity, we never knew what we were going to get. Usually it's bad, okay? Today was a very big difference. They faced adversity the first half. They struggle. They tie a rope. They hang on. And then the second half, they pull away. What is the big difference between this team and other past Rams teams in terms of the intangibles, the, re, the, the resilience that they were able to show in the field when they in bad situations?
3: Well, I think you can even count the first part of this year in that too with the Redskins and the Seahawks games where they were they were a team that was starting to gel and grow together, but they weren't quite there yet. And I think now you're starting to see that change in how they're feeling about each other as a team, it's such a big difference to look at this team and see how close they are and how cheerful they are with each other and how supportive they are with each other. And when somebody goes down for a few plays with an injury and somebody else comes in and steps up, and they don't seem to let the mistakes that happen during the game ruin the game. And and you can really see that with, with Jared Goff. You know, Goff had really a horrible first half and came out in the second half and, and did extremely well. And a lot of, a lot of that has to do with some of the scheme changes, but he, he's able to let a play happen, and if it's bad, the next play, it's, it's gone already. He's already forgotten about it. He's moving on, and that's a sign of maturity. And And I think that's what you're seeing more than anything, is this team has never had the camaraderie, and, and they haven't been as mature as they are now. Uh, I think Fisher did a really poor job of that. And I think what you're seeing with McVeigh and the new culture of the team is, you know, it's all about we, not me. And you can really see that. I mean, honestly, you can. it's like you can you can look at the screen and see it on the screen. It, it's, it's way different than it used to be. And, you know, good teams win football games that they should win no matter the circumstance. And the Rams, we all know, should have won this game. We all predicted that they would win this game. And in the beginning, you're kind of scratching your head going, wait a minute, (laughs) is this the old Rams or is it still the Rams team that's just struggling that we know now? And what we saw was they were mature enough to fix their mistakes, do the changes that they needed to make, and come out in the second half and dominate. And I think that's where you see a big difference is just the team maturing and growing together.
2: You know, I really wonder what Jeff Fisher's thinking at home right now. I really wish I could be, a, you know, just be in the room with them and ask him those questions. I mean, I've made no secret of how I feel about Jeff Fisher's tenure with the Rams, but I can't help but wonder what he's thinking. You know, we can go back to the All or Nothing series on Amazon or you can even see signs of it in last year's Hard Knocks. This was not a happy football team. It was, you know, just didn't feel right. This year you have a lot of the same personnel, you know, some new new faces – but a lot of the same personnel, and it's a completely different team. And we see that now week in, week out. They're confident. They bounce back quickly from mistakes. They adjust. They they tie that rope and hang on, like I mentioned earlier. And when an opportunity is there, they take it. You know, past Rams teams just didn't do that. They've had opportunities in the past. I can go. We can go back to the 2010 season, going to Seattle with a playoff game with a playoff berth in the line. 2012, they have a home game against the Vikings, and they're in the playoff hunt, and they just blow it, and they let Adrian Pearson run all over them. You know, things like that. And now here we are talking about this team that is seven and two, probably could be at least eight and one, if not better than that. You know, and it's really nice to see the, the whole maturation process with the Rams. And they're still one of the youngest teams in the league.
3: Well, I can tell you how Jeff Fisher feels. It's like when you have that really hot girlfriend that you try to hang on to too tight, but you know that you're just not good enough for her. And then she leaves you, and next year you see her with some other dude, and she's really happy. That's what Jeff Fisher feels like. <laughs> oh, Oh, boy. I
2: might have be been sure to go with that one. I might have <laughs> sure, been sure to think about that one.
3: Well, it's got to be a very similar feeling, I'm sure. The, the team, when they've lost, have not lost badly, not horribly. I mean, the the Redskins game was probably the worst example of the two. The Seahawks game, we made some costly mistakes, but we were still in it and had a chance to tie it or win it. Uh, same thing with the Redskins game, but uh, they, they just weren't mature yet. I mean, it was early in the season. They were still gelling as a team, still growing as a team. And, you know, we saw that same Redskins team go into Seattle and beat Seattle at home. So we know we know that we're a good team, just basing it, at least on those two teams. We're comparing to them. We know we're a good team. And I honestly think this team – back in week two against the Redskins, probably would have beat the Redskins. And this team against the Seahawks earlier in the year probably would have beat them. And we're going to get an opportunity to see that in Seattle because we know we play well on the road. And, you know, if we can go into Seattle and, and, and steal a win there, that's going to really show me that this team's arrived. And, and I'm I'm proud of the team. I mean, here we are now 7-2, and two. You would have never guessed it, you know, like we talked about in our last podcast, you predicted six wins for the season where one game past the halfway point, they're seven and two, things are feeling good and, and everybody's happy and the team's showing that they're growing. And no matter what happens the rest of the year, we're, as Patrick stated, we're trending upwards, and that's that's all I care about. I mean, obviously, making the playoffs would be great. Getting to the Super Bowl would be great. Winning a Super Bowl would be awesome. But the main thing is we're trending upward. We're we're starting to see the team grow and get better. And it's obvious we have some really good players on the team that a lot of people didn't expect, such as Robert Woods playing the way that he is. He's definitely earning the contract that he has, as you stated before. He, we thought he was overpaid, but, but now I, I don't think so. And now we're starting to see Sammy Watkins come in, and Cooper Cup as a rookie has been solid. You know, sure, he's dropped some passes that could have done some great things for us, but he's really showing how good he's going to be in the future. And our offensive line, uh, I wanted to kill the announcers when they started saying things like the Rams haven't been injured, and then right off the bat, we've got uh, Connor Barwin down. And then later in the game, I wanted to shoot you for saying. Roger Saffold being healthy in our last podcast. But it looks like we came through it with nothing major at this point. So we're trending upwards. That's all I really care about. If we can continue to go out and play solid football the rest of the year, I don't really care what the wins and loss column look like as long as we're playing good.
2: I look at this game, though, and I still see some things we need to kind of break down. I think the Texans did a really, really good job getting those edges and putting pressure on the Rams. Patrick mentioned something we've always talked about. Jared Goff struggles when under pressure. He's getting better, but his accuracy drops tremendously, and teams know this now. They're they're figuring this out. They're, they're, They're setting out game plans to stop this team. And so as the Rams enter this gauntlet, they're entering a gauntlet now. Four out of their next six games are on the road. They will be going to Minnesota. They're going to be heading out to Arizona. You know, they'll host the Eagles. They'll host the Saints. But they're going to go to Tennessee. So this gauntlet of a schedule is going to be a real test. And if the Rams can come through this, they're going to be that much better. But also, this is going to be a time when I think these teams that are studying film are going to have a real chance to kind of break down this Rams offense and defense and put some losses in their column.
3: Well, I think the Rams can always make the adjustments to whatever they need to do to get Goff going like they did today. You know, they may come in and, and blitz or do the things that they need to do to put pressure on him early. But I think what we're seeing is that McVay is good enough and our offense is good enough that they're able to to go in there and make those adjustments. So you're right. We are going into a gauntlet uh, with the Saints who won today big with the Vikings who won today against the Redskins. Uh, Even Case Keenum had, uh, he went 21 for 29, 304 yards and four touchdowns. So Case Keenum is looking like an all-star in Minnesota right now. And uh, I'll be curious to see who we face. Is it going to be Keenum or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, I don't know how they could pull Keenum out, though, uh, the way he's playing. And, you know, Minnesota's got that type of defense that could really put some serious pressure on the Rams. So we'll see. We may see the Rams struggle early in games because they're exploiting the weakness right away. But can McVay and the offensive line and Jared Goff make the adjustments that they need to do to get him to not have to run in the pocket? He isn't a Russell Wilson. He isn't uh Dak Prescott. He's no Carson Wentz either as far as being mobile. But what we have seen from him is he's able to make good decisions. He's able to go through all his reads. And when he can have the time, he can be very accurate, and he's throwing the deep ball extremely well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, They've got a couple of real tough games coming up, and I'm curious to see how they handle it and see if they have some adversity or not.
2: Well, a couple of things I want to see the Rams really work on right away. Uh, Havenstein, Rob Havenstein, struggled against Clowney today. He's going to struggle against other pass rushers as well. His footwork's just slow. He just really kind of the snap and that's something that he can get away with with the average pass rusher. But when you start getting elite pass rushers, and we're going to see some of them here soon, he has problems. That's that's been no secret. I want to see continued improvement from him. Um, The Rams also, they do tend to get away. They, They got away from Gurley early in this game as well, and really getting up the middle. They keep trying to get pretty on the edge. And teams, with speed in their defense there, the front seven, like the Texans, well, we saw they did. To that, uh, to that Rams running game in the first half. Those are two things right now I think the Rams could be working on.
3: I, I agree, but I also think that they needed to throw deep sooner than they did. And obviously, like I said earlier, Goff was running for his life a little bit. But you've got to put the ball down the field a little bit and make him respect it. And when you do that, that will slow the pass rush down a little bit. And I think it will open things up. It's kind of like the opposite of last year when all we did was run Todd Gurley two out of three plays up the middle and when that didn't work, we tried throwing a, you know, a 10-yard pass to a tight end or something and they and they they always knew how to defend it. With the Rams, they were defending Todd Gurley and we weren't we weren't putting any pressure on him down the field so they were able to get tight on us on defense and they were able to blitz more. And so that's why I think that Woods' play made such a big difference in the game because as soon as they hit that pass, instantly the defense had to respect it. I also think they could have thrown some screen passes a little more in the first half to open it up. You saw the first one with Todd Gurley, how that worked out. And then later in the game, you saw you saw the, I, I forget what you call it, but it was kind of like a reverse, a reverse yeah. pass over to Robert Woods, and you saw how that worked. And then down the line, you saw that one to Sammy Watkins that was more or less a screen. So I think there's a lot of adjustments that they can make early in the game to really get a defense off balance. Even Minnesota's and New Orleans and Seattle and all those. And I think McVeigh's starting to figure that out, and I think Jared Goff's starting to figure it out with his reads. But the the key, I think, to everything is how many times did we turn the ball over today? Zero. And I think that's the key to our success, no matter what. I think we're a good enough team, no matter how bad the or how good the defense is, to win as long as we don't have the turnovers. So. It's going to be interesting. Uh, We're going to find out how mature this team is, and they're they're showing each week that they're getting better and they're maturing. You know, even today with the slow start, they showed their maturity in the second half, and so we'll see what happens to them the next few weeks when they play some pretty tough teams.
2: Now, another thing too is the running defense, the rush defense. Lamar Miller, early in this game, long run twenty-one had a couple of nice chunks, and then for whatever reason, Houston went away from him. This has to be concerning overall. When pressured, the Rams' defense, at least, I don't know why, they're not moving to the football well against the run.
3: Well, I can tell you that one thing the Rams do is they blitz a lot. And when they blitz a lot and they commit that many people to getting after the quarterback, when it is a running play, there's going to be holes. And if they find those holes, they're going to be for 10- and 20-yard gains. And another thing I noticed is that when Tyron Walker's in there, they don't run the ball very well. Tanzel Smart's doing a good job as a rookie, but I don't know if he's the best guy to have in there for run defense. I think he's better for, for pass defense. But Tyron Walker's really showing that he's a force to be reckoned with on the inside of the D-line. So I, I really think it's, it's a scheme thing more than it is a lack of skill or a lack of speed. I really think that it's the blitzing and stuff that's going on early that if they find the right hole, that's what, that's what's killing them. So, and, and, and Phillips has shown the ability, and we obviously know how good a coach he is. Once they, once they start running the football and, and they're being successful, he'll make changes to slow that down, and he did that. And you know he's done that pretty much every game. It seems like if you're going to beat the Rams with the run, you're going to do it in the first quarter and partway through the second, and then the rest of the game is going to be pretty tough on you from that point on. So I'm not too concerned about that.
2: Well, I'm just being nitpicky because Uh, there isn't isn't much. There isn't much. You know, there isn't. We're going to look for you know things to work on. You know, it's it's, they're not a perfect football team. I keep seeing comparisons to the greatest show on turf, and I think that's something we're going to want to talk about in the podcast this week. You know, is where are they compared to the greatest show on turf? But but in short, they're different. They're different offenses. They're different teams, and I would kind of want to talk talk that one through. But before we get going for the day. There is one more thing I want to ask you about because I, 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 you know, I covered Twitter for us today, and it was all over Twitter. The, uh, the attendance out there in Los Angeles, the, the tickets distributed was sixty thousand thirty-two, uh, well short, about five thousand short of a sellout. My question for you is, what do the Rams have to do
3: to sell out? Keep winning. I, I really think a lot of it's the NFL's fault, to be honest with you. And I really don't know a lot of it's the Rams or the, the L.A. fans' fault. I'm sure there's still a lot of people that are upset. You know, you saw people burning their season tickets and saying, I'm not going to another Rams game or another NFL game due to the controversy of the national anthem and all that stuff. I'm sure that has something to do with it. I'm sure people just aren't sold that LA's is as good a team as they are yet because they had not been winning at home and now they they did, so I'm sure that's going to make a difference. And, you know, I honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with the Coliseum just not being a great place to to go for a fan experience to watch a football game. You can watch the game really well, but, you know, I've heard the facility itself is kind of lacking. So I I think it's a combination of a bunch of things, And, and it was a little disappointing to see all the empty seats. But, hey, for us, it's great news. When we go to the 49ers game, uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, if there's a lot of empty seats, we can move down from where we are and get some better seats. So, you know, I'm I'm all for that.
2: Well, ah, yeah, oh, geez, I'm, I mean it's a, it's a huge stadium, you know. And and talking with some of the fans out there, what they've you know they said to me is a parking there is a ripoff, tailgating there's a ripoff, and the parking lot is small. You can't tailgate well, you can't park well. Everything's cramped. You're like a bunch of sardines in there. And then you get in this huge stadium that doesn't have the world's best sight lines, And, you know, for for many fans, and this is the feedback I'm getting, it's more cost-efficient to go out to Maggie's Pub or one of those other pubs out there where they normally watch a game and watch the game, where they can be more comfortable, they can enjoy their food, where they don't don't have to be up in the nosebleeds and, and have to fight parking and fight. I get the feeling that, yes, they'll sell out soon enough, but right now, in terms of supply and demand, it's just not there yet because you have those other factors that you mentioned and that what we've heard They kind of block it out. I don't necessarily buy the comparisons to the Rams in St. Louis to the Rams in L.A. They're different fan bases, different stadium situations, different uh, traffic situations. But to be intellectually honest, you know, if this was St. Louis, you know, two years ago, I would have said something, so I'm going to say something this time, too. This team deserves a sellout. They do deserve a sellout.
3: Absolutely. They're playing well enough to deserve that. It's just, why aren't they? And, and who knows the answer to that question? I think it's a combination of all the things that we've talked about. But one thing I think I can promise you is when that new stadium opens, I think you're going to see some pretty full seats in there, especially if they're playing the way they are now, because it's going to be a lot different experience. So the team, the t- it's not the team's fault anymore as far as the players and how they're playing on the field. That's no longer an issue. Not this year. So it's got to be some other driving factors, and I think we've pointed out pretty much all that we think it could be.
2: Well, the you know, and, and just kind of a, to to make this last point on that as well, the LA area is about the glitz and glamour. It's about the entertainment value. It's about being among the stars. When that stadium opens and they get their new uniforms and they take the field for the first time, it's going to be a full stadium. It's gonna it's gonna have that star power that is lacking at the Coliseum right now. I would think so, too. And so, again, it, it's seeing some of the comments on the Twitter feed for us as we're, as we're covering the game. It's kind of annoying. It's kind of, a you know, but in reality it's two different cultures, St. Louis to Los Angeles, and it's very different and difficult to try and equate either attendance issue that was there. Cool. In fact, the matter is, is the Rams are back and they're not going anywhere.
3: Well, I attended. I, I attended a lot of games in St. Louis. Uh, I traveled out there a lot to watch games, and uh, I, I can tell you that w- the feeling there was that you had your real diehard fans that were going to show up no matter what, but there weren't many others that showed up, and there were a lot of empty seats in the stadium. and And I went out and and covered things like the Keep the Rams in St. Louis rally, and you know they're they're great people. They're nice people. They're true Rams fans. But when I was there, there, there probably wasn't more than three, 400 people that showed up to that thing. And I traveled all the way out there to see it. And they, and they had live music, and they did a really great job of putting it together. But there, I expected it to be packed and, and, you know, try to find a place to park to even get to the rally. And, and it wasn't that tough at all, and there wasn't really that many people. So my gauge is going to be when we go to the 49ers game and i look forward to meeting the la fans when we go down there it's been a long time since i've been to the coliseum since like the early uh early 70s since the last time i was at the coliseum so before you were born <laughs> and uh we're going to we're going to take a camera down there and we're going to do some tailgating with the with the rams fans down there and we're going to cover the game from from the spot and it should be exciting and at that point i'll really be able to uh, put a barometer on it, so to speak, to say, is this like St. Louis or not? Because I have a feeling that it's going to be a, a lot different vibe, but we'll see. And, and I'll be able to answer that question a lot better when we go down there.
2: All right. Well, we have this week uh, for other podcasts, we, we will be sitting down with Game of My Life, Rams, author James, uh, Jay Paris for a podcast. Tune in for that. We'll have our midweek podcast covering the uh, the Vikings Rams game. We'll have our guests about the labor. Uh, BJ Rydell will be here, and so stick with us. By the way, we're spreading. We're like a virus, a good virus actually. Find us on Stitcher now. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, and we should be on Google Play hopefully by the end of the week. Norm, any last words for to put this uh, post mortem?
3: Well, just. Happy about the performance in the second half. Really happy to see the team maturing and, and winning the games they're supposed to win. And I look forward to playing a tough Vikings team next week. And I really hope we face Case Keenum and get to put him in the dirt a little bit.
2: All right. In case you missed it, Rams win 33-7 over the Houston Texans. They move to 7-2. They are one game ahead in the NFC West as they head the gauntlet. As they head to the gauntlet to face Three out of four division leaders in the next four games. For Norm Hightower, this is Manji Andrew Derrick-Ciapala. We'll see you soon. Adios.
0: Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hangs from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it there. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action,
1: Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the make? Oh Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard.